Nothing's going your way, you've had a bad day, it's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray, it's mental. Welcome. Uh, this interview... Our discussion, rather, I always call it an interview for some always reason. Call it an always, interview. I don't know always. what that's about. But this <laughs> discussion today, we're going to be talking about the art of arguing. Now, understandably, we are in the midst of October, and we are in the midst of a body dysmorphia series. So, why are we talking about the art of arguing? Well, partially because I think both Michelle and I will benefit from an extended mental minute. <laughs> Am I right, Michelle? Oh my God, always. <laughs> yes. Agreed. And so we're kind of shaking things up a little bit today for our last episode in October. So we're not going to be presenting any major clinical information or some underpinning theological, theological, theoretical approach. <laughs> Clearly, I get the two mixed up. Deconstruction and mental health. There you are. But let's just let me let me introduce my co-host, Michelle Collins. How are you doing today, Michelle? It's been a frustrating day, I'll be honest with you. And it's rainy here and kind of cold, which it was 80 degrees yesterday, so it's weird. So what what temperature is it now? I'm curious. It's about 65 degrees, I think. And it's raining. So which is interesting. It's supposed to be fall weather, but it had gotten really warm again. So it kind of surprised me when I walked outside this morning and went, oh, okay, it's cold. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so it made, it made for kind of a gloomy m morning, you know, and mm -hmm. I woke up late and I just was tired. And so, yeah, I got up on the wrong side of the bed and <laughs> I started my day with a little bit of arguing and complaining. So <laughs> no, I know it's hard to believe arguing and complaining <laughs> on a Saturday morning. Exactly. That just that doesn't sound kosher. Um, I don't think you have any room to talk, my friend. So <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I do not have any room to talk. In fact, <laughs> if we're going to have an extended mental minute, let me just be upfront. I do it. suck at conflict. <laughs> I am the worst example of of good conflict resolution in fact i tend to if there's conflict i often it's kind of like throwing a maltail cocktail like i just just things just blow up you know why do you do that i don't i think that it probably relates to trauma in some way shape or form and that i kind of always expect the worst and you know that whole i'll get you before you get me mentality uh, defense mechanism yes anna freud uh so <laughs> yeah i oftentimes will do those types of things i i think that has something to do with it i think it also comes down to perhaps my lack of self-confidence and which we've talked about yeah right and, and maybe even to some extent my personal journey with sexuality and and my battle for self-acceptance and god and all that jazz also kind of gets thrown into there too because i don't feel like i have a right to stand a lot of the time but uh -huh. yeah i'm not i'm not good at it and and typically 
while I am always one to try to resolve issues, I actually do the opposite. And I often find myself in the center of the drama or accusations, and then it, it always goes south. Okay, so I've heard that a lot. I've heard that from you, and I've heard that from other people that know you, that you are dramatic yes, and in the center of conflict and all that. Do you think you knowingly put yourself there for some reason, or do you just simply find yourself there? I think I just, I think I find myself there. But okay, I want to say something maybe controversial. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> When I was in graduate school for my master's in social work, I my I did my practicum at an agency called the Victim Center in Springfield, and I primarily did domestic violence classes with battered women, mm. women who had been in you know uh, domestic violence situations. And what was interesting is that it seemed to happen multiple times to the same people, as if. There was something about these women that drew that type of attention or drew that type of person. And I think in a way, I draw that out of people. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but that's how it feels. I think, well, because I grew up in a household where there was a lot of physical violence. I get what you're saying about it. The same people seem to end up in the same circumstances over and over. I think that has not much to do with their desire to be in those circumstances, but more so in their inability to recognize how to be outside of those circumstances. That it's not so much that they're necessarily comfortable there, but it's the only thing they know. And normality feels better than out of being out of control. Yes. Even if your normality includes a whole lot of violence, possibly. I also think it has a lot to do with something you've already mentioned, that issue of self-control, that or not self-control, self, uh, self-esteem, mm-hmm. how, how we see ourselves. If we're worth, if we feel that we're worth being treated better than we're being treated, um, plays into that a lot. And I don't know. I think that if you find yourself in the midst of conflict often, there is something inside of you that feels like that's what you deserve for some reason. Mm-hmm. Dime store psychology, but. Which just perpetuates. The, yeah. the behaviors and and Absolutely. all that's that comes with it yep but yeah that was a really long drawn out story just to say that i am really really <laughs> bad at conflict resolution and specifically arguing i i am not good at it how does how do you fare michelle it's a dicey subject i know i'm deeply deeply uncomfortable with conflict mm-hmm. um it makes me very nervous However, when I reach a point where I have completely lost my patience or we hit a hot button or a triggered circumstance, I have no problems coming out of the corner swinging and then I'm not nice. I'm a great debater. I'm a great arguer and I go for the throat every time. So I'll try and avoid it as long as possible. But if you push me, it happens. And then often I hear they didn't like the reaction and I'm like, then don't friggin' push me. <laughs> I mean, cause and effect, my friend, cause and effect. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really very uncomfortable, especially if I'm witnessing other people's confrontation. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very uncomfortable. I, I don't enjoy that at all. It, I feel like I have to step in or I, all my nervous tics kick into place and I really struggle with what I should be doing or saying. And and there's really no reason. I have no responsibility in those circumstances often, but yet I cannot 
I can't sit comfortably and let it happen. So it's very weird. Good. Yeah. I, so have you gone through any type of change with conflict? Recently, and I think I told you this earlier. I know I told my husband this earlier. It's why I'm mentioning oh. it because I think ah, it's a, I, I think I, it's, I think it's a point uh, that we should talk about. So, can we talk about your kind of history with conflict resolution and sure. the art of arguing and how that has morphed? The art of arguing. <laughs> I don't mean what that's the name of the, the name of our extended minute. I know, so. I get it, but at the same time, it just it feels funny to call it that. So. <laughs> you put it out there. This is your title I know, suggestion. I know. I know. I can't win. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us the story. Uh, well, as I mentioned, I grew up in a household where there was, of course, a lot of conflict. Uh, there was a lot of conflict within my family. Always was a lot of arguing, some physical violence, and then in in the whole family, primarily in my primary family, was a lot of violence. And so conflict was always scary to me. Mm-hmm. And makes me deeply nervous. I begin wringing my hands because almost always that that conflict was settled with some form of violence. And so uh, I will say this, and I think I've shared this before. I don't remember if it was here on one of our podcasts or not, but I actually was able to relax once a violent act had occurred because I knew then everything was over. It would be de- it, that would deescalate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until that moment, I couldn't relax. And so as I grew older, that became almost a pattern. Like I, the anxiety levels would ramp up so high during a, con- a confrontational moment, not, not even between me and somebody, but just as I said, witnessing other people's confrontational moments, the anxiety would crawl up into my throat. Mm. And uh, so as when I got married, of course, married people argue, they fight. I mean, that's a reality of life. I was terrible at trying to push a violent reaction out of my husband because I felt as though I needed the situation to resolve. Mm -hmm. And just the silent treatment or disagreeing was not resolution to me. And so it was a really bad, bad habit or pattern. Of course, my husband wasn't violent. So, you know, the arguments would last a long time and I would be so stressed out, I wouldn't be able to function. And you know, it took a long time before I recognized what the pattern was, is that I was still waiting for some form of resolution in a violent altercation. And so that's, I mean, that's damaging. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, you mentioned the word trauma. That is, that is trauma. That's trauma-related well, PTSD, basically. It is. And something that I would note is that in order for that to take place, there has to be a pattern. And so- yes. So can we just kind of note that, that there was a pattern of behavior in which you became, you eventually expected a specific outcome. So maybe even, and and I'm not suggesting you did this, but at times, did you feel compelled to create that scene in order to then have that relief? And then, then we're talking about a vicious cycle on both sides to where it's not Mm -hmm. just them perpetuating it, but even you just to have that moment of relief. Well, the perpetuation would come in the form of arguing from the other side. If somebody instigated an argument, I'm not usually one to back down from an argument if it's presented to me. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned, if it, if it wasn't going to resolve in some violent altercation, then I couldn't relax. I also know that I have a tendency when I am feeling overwhelmed and anxious about whatever, it doesn't even matter what it is, that I will sometimes catch myself falling back into that pattern. And that's when you start arguments, Mm -hmm. you know, over silly little things. 
right? Um, because you're reaching out for that normal pattern, trying to find that resolution so that the anxiety that you're feeling goes away, it dissolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it, it just doesn't work. You know, right. and, and I've seen that operate in other people, people that I know very well. I've watched that same pattern happen for them. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting and, is, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to say it takes, it's, it takes a lot to get rid of that. I don't know that oh. that's an easy fix. It's not um, because these are learned behaviors. Yeah. They're learned behaviors in that you are learning to expect this. And, and what's interesting, I think you brought up a really interesting point, is that sometimes the conflict isn't even about the issue that you're arguing right. about. Like, right. And I think that's kind of apparent, but I think that's really an important thing to, to point out in that you know, oftentimes there's another message behind a fight. There's sure. another message behind an argument. And it, it's very possible that the subject matter that's being argued doesn't really mean anything. There's, there's, there's yeah, more going on. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a vehicle for the emotions. And, and quite honestly, in those moments, it's very difficult to step outside of the situation from an emotional perspective and just observe so that you can understand what's happening and be all rational and and solve it. That doesn't happen because you're in a heightened emotional state. So Mm -hmm. you're reacting. You're not thinking as far as thinking objectively about your own, your own behavior. You're, if anything, you are thinking only about how you win the next point. Right. You're, Um, you're listening to, to respond. You're not listening to listen. Right. Right. Yeah. It happened to me the other day. Uh, you know, I'm in a pretty depleted state right now and I'm tired and I'm hungry all the time. And, and my husband made a comment. It was a simple little comment. I had gone to the store, I bought chicken and it was sitting on the counter. It was already, it was a cooked chicken. Uh And I set it on the counter and I, I had bought chicken in a couple different formats. And so when I got home, I felt compelled to explain myself like, Oh, I got it this way for this and this way for that. I just want you to know. So as he walked in the kitchen, he looked at the the roasted chicken. He said, this is unseasoned. Did you mean to do that? And to me, I was like, what the oh. hell does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Did I mean to do that? <laughs> what, what, why are you chastising me? That's how it felt. But I was like, just really tired right now. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just hit me wrong. But I recognized very quickly that a lot of times, some of his comments, I am receiving them as though he is criticizing me, which is on me because I'm not asking his intention in the moment. I'm interpreting his intention, which is through my own lens. And so a lot of times when that happens, I will just ignore it or not say anything. But the problem with doing that is, of course, pressure builds up Mm -hmm. and then you snap over a stupid damn chicken. And so it started this big argument and, and I thought how, I, later, I thought how ridiculous this big argument over a damn chicken. <laughs> I just bought some chicken. That's all I did. But you know, it, it's those kind of things that you get lost in the triggered response and you're unable to understand how the argument, why it exists or if it should even exist. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What about you? Now we've talked a lot about me. So now let's talk a little bit about you. I mean, I'm just really, really bad at it. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to say I've noticed a pattern with you. Okay. Let's guess. Point the pattern out. <laughs> Please help me. Help me. I recognize show. this pattern because my husband actually does this a lot. And it's one that kind of grates on my nerves. I'm not oh, saying you grate on my nerves. I'm not saying you grate on your nerves. But if you remember, I did call you out for it earlier today. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. that, the passive aggressive stuff. 
I detest the passive aggressive stuff. I am so bad at it. I know. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. Because but again, I- it- it's sarcasm, but it's it's that whole oh I guess it's just my fault. Ah, I just want to strangle somebody. Well, when that's kind that. of but yeah. Well, because I okay. So let's talk about this because when I am cornered, right, and I'm called out, generally my response is I'll do whatever it takes to resolve it. Just like in the PTSD story that you shared, that sometimes you would start conflict just to resolve it. For me, I would just far rather be the martyr in a situation. Right. Like I will take the blame. I will t- whatever whatever it need whatever needs to happen to move us through this conflict, to move us through this argument. I will listen. What What do you need me to do? Do you need me to clean the house a few times? Don't ask me to do that because I'm really bad at cleaning the house. But you get my point. <laughs> you know, what do I need to do? Whatever it might be, I'll do that because I just want to get over it. And then I tend to hold on to things so I don't forget. Right. Uh, I have a really difficult time forgetting, specifically when I've been hurt. And I suppose my passive-aggressive side comes out because I would far rather be passive-aggressive than start a war, specifically if I know that that war is going to take a lot of emotional energy and wherewithal. Right. But why do, why do you feel the need to capitulate to resolve things instead of just planting your flag and saying, this is where I stand? I, I mean, because I feel like that's what's building up the frustration inside of you that leads to the passive aggressiveness. So break that down a little bit more. Okay. So in the midst of a conflict with somebody, you said you have the need to just capitulate. You'll just give. Yes. Yes. You'll say, I'll do whatever you need me to for this to be over. Yeah. Well, that's not re- that's not resolution at all. That That is you throwing yourself into a martyred position in order to to stop the conflict. But that isn't resolution. So eventually that's going to build up frustration in you because it's not that you want to be the one in, that's responsible all the time or to do whatever whatever everybody else wants you to do. It's just your coping mechanism. So all this frustration builds up. And I think that's where you say you hold on to things for a long time. Well, that's why. Because you're never resolving them. You're just pushing them down and it only works for so long. And then they're coming out in the form of a passive aggressive comment. Yeah. But, and you're saying you're doing that to avoid a war, but I would I would challenge you and say that actually leads to more conflict. Well, that kind of passive-aggressive stuff is how Fade to Grey has been a podcast for two years. <laughs> well, okay. You guys have we, your we own, wouldn't your, have, you have your own We wouldn't patterns. have content if we didn't have that. In fact, it is that in and of itself that makes Fade to Grey podcast a really fun show to listen to. Well, uh, of course, because everybody likes to watch a fight. They do. Well, they I it. don't, but most people like to watch a fight. They most people it. like to look at accidents. And so that is a, an appealing thing. And the trick to that is that you have to be able to do that within the context of the podcast, but then go back to normal, healthy behavior outside of that. Right. And conflict resolution. Having the conversation, like, why not have the conversation? Why not deal with the confrontation in the moment and just work through it or, you know, whatnot? A lot of times I don't think it can be worked through. Sometimes, no. And I think that for a lot of the times it is that reason why I suppress things. 
yeah. is because I would rather keep the keep the train going than try to resolve this here and then everything fall apart. I think to I think to some degree part of the problem with conflict is that we are all at some point or another trying to impose how we want to handle something onto other people. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily going to work if they're different people, different personalities. And, and so there's a frustration that goes along with that. And I, I think you're right. Some of that stuff cannot be worked out in the moment. You know, it was funny when my kids were growing up, I remember they would get in fights or whatever. And, you know, as a parent, you want to resolve that. So we would, my, I can remember my husband saying, you need to apologize. Mm-hmm. And so always there was an apology, but there was this tone behind it, like, sorry, you know, and my husband would say, why don't you just say piss off? Because that's exactly what that sounds like. So that became a running joke in our family. Well, the point there being that that happens because that person doesn't feel sorry yet. They right. they don't feel what they're saying. They're saying something that there's no emotional attachment to yet. It's just an expectation. So there has to be that cooling off period sometimes, depending on the subject matter, allowing everybody to observe the circumstance or the the situation from a few different perspectives Mm-hmm. And then begin to resolve those conflict, the, you know, those conflicting feelings before an apology is given, you know, and I think we jump to an apology too soon, often trying to resolve conflict and it's not working. Yeah, I'm kind of known for that. I'm <laughs> kind of known for always jumping in on the apology. Um, I don't think it's just you. I think I think a lot of people do that. And I think we all do at some point. Right. Well, it's just because it'll resolve. It'll just it'll end the the current emotional shit it just you know if i just if i just apologize for this maybe it'll shut the person up so that we don't we can let this go but then again okay, it never so gets like let's, let's unpack and then things, that for a minute and then then it'll it shut the person up yeah it'll shut the person up yeah so you're not interested in in resolving the conflict you're interested in making them stop talking I mean, at times I'm human. <laughs> of course. Like, I, I mean, I. I appreciate your you're admitting I'm, that. I appreciate being, that. One hundred percent. Being, being very open and honest here. I'm not suggesting yes, I'm a great I person. I think recent arguments would show that I am a horrible person. So much so that. Oh, 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 oh hold on. We're gonna things. stop right there. But like, no, we're gonna stop right there. Oh, you stop. are therapizing me. Stop. I am being. This is I therapy. Am. I how am. Much, how much? Stop. How much am I paying for this? <laughs> You, my friend, are on a discount today. Go. <laughs> oh, no, but, but let's stop because I'm not going to stand by and allow you to say you're a horrible person. But that's what's perpetuated. Again, okay, but in your mind. No, publicly. And that's where it needs to be broken. No, because that's why you're capitulating because you've already admitted I'm a horrible person. And so I'm going to capitulate, take the responsibility. This will deescalate the whole thing. And you have to stop that because here's the deal. Behavior does not equal identity. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that lots and lots of times, you and I. Yes. Behavior is not identity. So we can act inappropriately. That does not make us a bad person. It just means we've acted inappropriately. And so I think you're equating the two because as we've talked about before, you have a lot of internalized feelings about yourself that still need resolution. Oh, yeah. So, That's... yes, we are therapizing you. <laughs> I'm like, I, like again, I'm, I sure hope that the hourly rate is not too high because I am I'm broke invoice until you. Friday. I'm okay. going to invoice you. <laughs> give me a week on it though. Okay. Give it, give it a week therapist. Okay. Michelle. I just, yeah, I, 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 just, I, know, it's I a really, tough subject. It is a tough subject and this is very personal. And I, and I it hope is. that the things I'm sharing, I mean, I'm being open and I'm being honest about my perspective on issues. Sure. 
and I am in no way suggesting I am right, and I am no way suggesting that I am always right or that I am a great person. But I, but I typically, for some reason, I don't understand this, Michelle. But why am I the one? Why am I the one? So that's that's the thing I want to ask because I have noticed a common denominator, and it was mentioned several times in the last few weeks okay. that by certain individuals, that I am the one that's always in the center of division. I am the one that is always at the, like, people quit things because of me. People don't show up to things because of me. We get into arguments. People don't come into groups because of me. And I don't understand, as a social worker and someone who is continually trying to be supportive to people i mean hell we run a show on mental health for heaven's sake like and i work for an insurance company can we can i not like what why well first of all i think you're taking some responsibility for things that are not your responsibility if people are involved with you in something and they choose to quit that's their choice that has nothing to do with you they make their own decisions you do not get to influence that you may feel as though you have some influence over that but their responsibility is still their responsibility their decisions but i I feel as if i'll be shamed i mean like yeah they they would quit but then it would be you know everyone would know it's because of seth again Everybody can have an opinion on that. That doesn't make it so. That person is still an adult and can make their own decisions. This idea that, and, and, and of course, this is another thing that everybody Again, we're t- does. I'm talking we generalized tend- here. I want to be very clear. I know. I, I agree. And, and in general, we have a tendency as human beings to blame our behavior and our choices on other people as though they have made them for us. And that is inaccurate. That is offloading our responsibility for our life to somebody else. It's unacceptable. Because we are big people. We make our own decisions. So if somebody makes a decision to distance themselves, that's their choice. That doesn't mean that you're responsible for said choice. It just means that you maybe played a role in their decision, but that's it. So that right there has to be first and foremost. Yeah, I always take it one step further. Because I then attribute personal responsibility to myself. So that's a good call out. Yeah, it's... Again, I would venture to gain... uh, Venture to guess that people that are overly responsible, and I'm one of them. My husband actually said that the other day, that I have an overinflated sense of responsibility because I'm the same way. I will take responsibility for something that is not really my fault because I'm I'm overanalyzing my behavior or participation within the conflict or the occurrence. And I'm analyzing to the nth degree how I could have done something better. But that that disallows me to evaluate the entire circumstance as it involved everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to somebody else's motives or how they feel about their behavior. I can only speak to mine. So I overemphasize my attention on my own responses at the risk of deciding that I am the catalyst for everything. And I think that's what happens here is that you are over, you are over identifying with your own behavior in those circumstances without looking at the entire circumstance as a whole. That's a guess. Well, it's probably spot on. <laughs> I, I think, again, I think that's a normal thing. People do that. A lot of people do that. Honestly, if you don't do that, I really have to question where you are on the narcissism scale. 
Now, I mean, at some point, I would have to guess if you never see anything as your fault, you you've got another issue happening. So. Right. I'm just saying, I I definitely <laughs> lean towards you know taking the blame more so than right. than you know accusing it. Yeah. Incorrectly. I think there's something to be said that's commendable about saying, "Hey, I fucked up here. I'm going to take responsibility." The problem becomes when you take responsibility for other people's actions as well. Right. Because you only own yours. Mm-hmm. But it gets... And owning it, that's cool. It does get a little gray in some areas. Like sure. There, there sure. is a lot of gray area on, on certain issues, I will note. I mean, that's definitely something, you know, that, that should be noted as well. Right. So how, how do you think conflict should be resolved? I mean, exactly how you said. I I don't think that. God, I'm no authority. Trust me. <laughs> We've already talked about how I start shit <laughs> just to feel better. I mean, the way that it should legitimately be and resolved is where everyone gets to share their own opinion and you work it out, like you've mentioned. It's just sometimes right. that that seems more work. Than yeah, than just letting things go, and and sometimes you know I've learned in my profession, in just be, being a trainer, is that you have to pick and choose your battles. Well, for sure, yeah. Every little thing does not need to be. You, you know, gotta you gotta talked out for two hours, right? You've got to pick and choose, and and go from there. So, right. but what do you, what do you? Th- I mean, you've shared a lot of your opinions, and we kind of I've heard from your. So I, I'm floundering because I don't. Okay, Michelle. I don't know where to go from here because yes, I am not good at it, and I think that you bring up a lot of really good points. The main thing is understanding what is and it is not your responsibility. Yeah, and that's really difficult. And it's really difficult. And as I mentioned, there's a gray area there, and that can be complicated. So just noting that. And yes. then also, I th- Very much I so. think the other important thing to keep in mind is that we've got to not, okay, so this is my personal issue. I bury shit and it comes back up. We mentioned this earlier. This is where my passive aggressive stuff comes in. Mm-hmm. But I, so I think if we're going to talk helpful things if you're noticing yourself being passive aggressive, there's probably something there that needs to be addressed. Oh, for sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. If your comments are, are, you know, like, well, I mean, there's no other term. If your comments are passive aggressive, if your behavior is passive aggressive, that should be signal number one that you have an unresolved issue that needs, that needs to come out. Mm-hmm. And again, often that doesn't happen because we're uncomfortable with the conflict we're not seeing that as feeding the conflict, even though it is. And simply saying something outright to somebody is sometimes very difficult to do. Yes. Um, oftentimes we're afraid of their reaction or we're afraid that it's going to turn into some very big blown up thing. But the reality is it does have to be brought out because that symptom keeps showing up. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that you're always going to resolve every issue or that you're going to get along with every single person. It's not possible. Right. It's just not possible. We're different people. We see life differently. We have different experiences. So sometimes it's just going to be a conversation. And, and I, ha- I hesitate to use these words because, God, they drive me crazy. But that agree to disagree. Because there are some issues, of course, that that is not acceptable. 
if we're discussing what type of fish we like to eat, okay, we can agree to disagree. If we're talking about child trafficking, that's probably not an agree to disagree situation. Right. So there should be some conflict there. So it's picking and choosing those things that are important enough to actually have conflict over, mm-hmm. you know, right. which we're not always able to choose, pick and choose. Sometimes conflict just gets thrown at us. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Uh, hence my little fit this morning. <laughs> yes. But I'll tell you what, I love when you throw little fits. I really do. <laughs> you encourage I me to do, throw little actually, fits. I do, actually, because it's typically me. Um, I am the one that throws little fits, and I typically will put my word, my foot directly into my mouth, and I will say things that I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I will not be as articulate yeah. as I need to be, and then I'll say something and, like, I'll talk for five minutes and two words or maybe like, you know, a a phrase or like, you know, a sentence gets completely taken out of context. And that becomes the entire discussion. It's like, (laughs) whole, can we just, we lost everything. I, you know, so you tend to be very articulate and I really like having you in groups where I experience conflict because (laughs) you have a way of, of bringing the temperature down. You really do. For most things. Yeah. For most things. I, I can bring the temperature down for most uh, conflict, uh, unless I'm the one that's really pissed off. And then, <laughs> and then I don't have that ability because my emotions are out there somewhere. I think that you're still but pretty I'm gonna say I'm going to say angry. there's something else. Well, again, I'm a great debater. I just asked my husband. Fair enough. <laughs> he doesn't call it debating, to be honest. Well. But, <laughs> um, but I am going to say something. Sure. I think that on some level, it's not about me being more articulate than you. I think on some level, you get a kick out of watching it, (laughs) and it's entertainment for you. I'm taking notes. (laughs) You're taking notes. You're eating popcorn, my friend. Come on. (laughs) And taking notes. I'm eating popcorn and taking notes. And... Well, one of us should get eat the damn popcorn. And by the way, so. <laughs> I, it should just be noted that because I don't want anyone like guessing what group we're talking about. Because Michelle and I are part of multiple groups together. Yes, we in are. All we kinds are. of different things. So you have no clue what we're actually talking about. <laughs> well, some people well, do. But but. <laughs> just don't don't guess it. The, don't read, don't into, read it. into it. The point Jesus. is the conversation. Don't self-identify. Right. The point here is the conversation. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have we covered your mental minute? <laughs> I don't know how. No, we- <laughs> I came no in idea. and I just was like, "Art of arguing, go." You just started. I was like, "Go." You just started. And I made it all about me. Uh, Shocker. So, fill us in. Well, <laughs> how are you doing, Michelle? <laughs> well, I told. Well, we actually did talk a little bit about mine because I started my morning with waking up to messages that piss me off. So. <laughs> I did start talking about that. And that was all a part of that whole conversation. So, but other than that, I did have an interesting thing happen a little bit ago. I, uh, I got a text message from the lady who bought our house in California. Mm -hmm. And she sent me this message and said, Hey, we're finished doing all the remodel stuff that we were going to do. Do you want to see pictures? And I was like, Oh yes, I want to see pictures. And it was bittersweet. Mm -hmm. I, I loved everything that they had done to the house. And then I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach with a feeling of homesickness mm. and almost regret 
which was surprising to me. And I started, and I even said it to my son. I showed my son the pictures and he said the same thing. He goes, oh, fuck, now I feel a little homesick. I said, I know, right? <laughs> I said, and it makes me, it makes me feel bad that we never thought to do some of that stuff. Like, so you approved, we had 18 years. So you approved of the changes they made or you were upset yeah, by the changes I think they she made? Did, no, I think she did a fantastic job. Fantastic job. It looks really nice. And like, so I, like I said, I looked at it and thought, why didn't I think to do that? Or why didn't we think to do that? And the reality is that we were a different place in life than she, than her and her family are. Mm -hmm. When we moved into that house, my oldest son was just starting high school. So I had four teenagers. We were busy with travel sports. We didn't have a lot of money because we had four teenagers who were then going to become four college students. And then we we knew right behind that was coming weddings. So, I mean, (laughs) there was a lot of years that there was no money and it was because we were planning for the future. So we didn't have a lot to do on the house, but it really bothered me. And and I I caught another pattern there that really kind of had to sit back and evaluate the fact that a lot of times we go through life, we just go through the motions. We never stop to look around and kind of evaluate where we are Mm -hmm. and what we really want. And... So, and again, that can play back into frustration, which leads to conflict and all that. I'm See, I'm trying to tie it back. I really am. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because I took us on a trail. So, no. bring us back. Yes, bring you us did. Home. That's okay. But, but it did make me think, like, you know, I am at a point in my life where I want to live my life from the perspective of I want to try everything that I've ever been interested in. Mm-hmm. I want to do everything that I've ever thought of doing. Because I think at the end of my life, I would rather be guilty of of trying and failing mm-hmm. than failing to try as trite as that sounds and that has to do a lot with some internalized conflict for me because i feel as though a lot of my life has been spent in hindsight with regret attached to it and that's a difficult place to find yourself um which again if we're trying to bring it back to conflict is actually very difficult because that is that self conflict mm-hmm. and there really is no way to resolve that except to accept it and move forward right and try and change so anyway that was my deep ponderings of the day they're deep <laughs> and i think that our our audience will benefit from from hearing that well i don't know we'll see we will see if anyone <laughs> doesn't make any comments it's like okay well we tried uh you know well, we had one comment. Stephanie said she learned a new yeah, word. She, therapizing. It's, it's deleted. <laughs> she posted it and then she deleted it. And I mess. Oh, well, I messaged shit. her and I said, "Hey, don't delete. Don't delete your comments." And she don't said, "Delete comments." She said, "You're not the boss of me." And I put a smiley face on my went, Touche. I don't want conflict. I saw the smiley face. I didn't know why it was there. I don't want conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're good, Stephanie. Stephanie, don't delete comments. I hope, we, I hope we're good. <laughs> I don't I don't want I don't want to fight a war today. Okay. Don't 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 talk yourself into this conflict. Yeah. There's no conflict I'm here. I'm being funny. <laughs> I'm not You better be being funny. I'm not being serious. Don't start a conflict with me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so Stephanie's comment. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I hate being the only one. Whatever. Oh, it's because she's the only one that's left a comment. No one else is leaving comments, so she feels a she feels alone out there. I know people are watching, I know, but, but they're not commenting. Nobody's commenting. And it's sad. <laughs> so Stephanie's out there all by her lonesome. Are, are we, Anyhow, uh, she's like, "Do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I want." You got to say it with attitude, Stephanie. Attitude. Do what I want. Uh, I know it's hard to put attitude in typing, though. It so. is. Put it all. Caps. That always works. I always. <laughs> It annoys me. <laughs> oh, 
So I've trained individuals in my job who type in all caps, and I oh, lose drives me crazy. My mind. I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. But I can't really. It's poor etiquette. It is. It is poor etiquette. I agree. So yeah, conflict <laughs> resolution. I think that we've identified some areas where both of us struggle yes and i think that we've identified some things that are important to do um in this process and and really i think that you've been the guide here because again i'm in the center of most of it so it's hard to really come out and say i'm doing everything right because the last time there was major conflict i was also in the center of it and again i was made out to be the bad guy so i just i think should change the terminology i think you're the catalyst that sounds so much more positive (laughs) you're the catalyst you are the catalyst that's is that not by definition the problem if you are the catalyst (laughs) But, but see catalyst is open to interpretation it doesn't necessarily mean negative so that's why I'm trying to change the script here seth I'm trying to you know make this a more positive viewpoint for you I know but it's hard it's hard to do so hard to do. Everybody has their role to play, Seth. Yes. So this is just your role. <laughs> this, this is my responsibility. Within your dynamic there of your of your of your group, that's your role to play. This is my job. This I is get your job. I get paid to throw grenades. That's legitimately why I'm here. And then pretend to be a mental health professional. It's a lot of fun. So <laughs> pretend. Don't say pretend or people are going to question your credentials. And yeah. your credentials are stellar. Yeah. So don't do that. 4.0, actually, with my social work degree. Anyways. Exactly. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's kind of segue now into okay. what we're going to be doing for the month of November. I'm actually very, God. very much excited for where this show is headed. And okay. Yeah. You're sighing and I'm talking with excitement. I, so what is your sigh? Well, that's because my brain is numb right now and I don't remember what we decided oh, for the next Jesus. month. <laughs> it's been a hell of a long day, Seth. Okay. So. Well, we're going to... <laughs> so everyone, I guess you did establish the last episode. I will then establish the next series. The next series... That makes sense. Yeah, right. It totally does. Uh, so the next series that Mental's going to be putting out is going to be on major depression, uh, major depressive disorder. Oh, that's right. And yes, <laughs> and I think it's I think it's fitting um, that we'll be doing it in November, specifically given whatever's going to happen with the goddamn election. And oh I think my god, that yeah, there may be a lot of depressive. There may <laughs> on both ends. I mean, regardless, whoever wins the election, I think that there's going to be. Yeah. I think that we're entering a very scary time in our country, but historically, uh, just looking at the time of year, yeah, seasonal, well, that's true too. Depress- seasonal affective disorder, yeah. seasonal affective disorder, yeah. and then also just what's happening in our climate, and I think that we're seeing numbers. Um, and we're seeing numbers of suicide jump off the charts, which is typically attributed to a diagnosis of major depression or major depressive disorder. Not always, but a good portion of the time it is. So I think it's a, a very valuable thing that we're going to be talking about. And I'm, I'm right. very much looking forward to it. And as I, you know, a, a few weeks ago, 
I made fun of Michelle for making the show all about her. <laughs> oh, see, I was just going to say that, too. I was just going to say, tune in and join us where Seth will make this about me making the show about me. It's good. No, it's, I suffer from depression. I think I have. I think that I have worse depression than you do. So I will make it. It's not a competition. I'm going to make it all about me. And what oh, is this episode? Oh, my friend, been? you have uttered some fighting words now. What is this? What is this? this little mental minute really been about it's been about me being the catalyst and the common denominator to all these problems which leads me to (laughs) difficulty with conflict again it's all about me so i'm doing the same thing you did Um, but we'll be doing uh, a a discussion on depression in november Um, what what are you really looking forward to in that michelle Well, I think one of the first things, and of course, we'll go over this again, but something that needs to be understood about depression is there is situational depression, Mm -hmm. but then there is actual diagnosable depression disorder in where it's not like somebody could look at your life and say, oh, they can identify a reason why you feel sad. That's not what it is. And so I think that we're going to have to spend some time differentiating between those two circumstances because they are very different. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people... I would get, I would gather that most people have situational depression from time to time. Oh, absolutely. But not as many are actually suffering from depression in in the way that it would lead to suicide. Um I also think that we have to highlight the fact that we have some very you, you brought up the election, you brought up emotions that go along with that. We also have situations in which there's a large preponderance of suicidal behavior. And one of those are veterans of which I am a veteran. And so that's very close to my heart. Uh, on average, 22 veterans a day are committing suicide. Yeah. So again, we are talking about something that is a very big damning problem in our, in our country. Mm-hmm. If not, I don't know about globally, but I know within our country, this is a very big problem. One in five gay people yeah. are dying by suicide yes another well. very marginalized group so, yes yeah it's just just noting so like again, it's across the board yeah so again we're talking about something that is very prevalent mm-hmm. and incredibly important to understand again it is something that touches me personally and has for depression was identified for me when i was in my teens same so yeah so it's been a lifelong thing that i struggle with so yeah, it is going to be personal, which is a little daunting. I'll be honest; that makes me feel very vulnerable. More uh, than I, body I, dysmorphia. Oh yeah, much more, much okay. more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm a little nervous about that, but other than that, I mean, I try to be as open as I can, but it's still, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. So I think it's a great subject to talk about. I can't believe I forgot that's what we were doing, but again, I write it off to being tired. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So that'll be, I think it will be a good topic to talk about, if not just a little daunting as well. Yes. I, I'm i a little nervous about it, uh, just in the fact that I'm not always the most articulate when it comes to my own personal experiences. And right. so it's going to be a challenge in that regard. Uh, but I definitely struggle with major depression. Uh, major, de- I keep saying major depression disorder, and that is not what it is. It's, a, it's not what it's called. No, it's one it, of yeah. those days. Um, major depressive yeah. disorder. Right. And I had that diagnosis, MDD. And <laughs> yeah, mine's a result of a traumatic brain injury uh, at age six. See, that's another, that's even another area that, you know, I think is not very well understood. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not just circumstance life circumstance sometimes sometimes it's a result of injury or neurological trauma in some form yeah yeah exactly absolutely so again there's a lot to talk about on that subject so that should provide some 
some good content, I hope. Mm-hmm. That's my hope, too. Yeah. And then <laughs> also, um, just to kind of note that we, well, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, check out our Facebook group. Um, we have a, <laughs> exactly. We have a, a Facebook group for mental as well as a Facebook page. And our episodes are actually released. You can find our episodes by searching mental podcast, but you also can find them on the fade to gray network. So you could search fade to gray network and you would not only get all of mental's episodes, but you would also get a plethora of other shows. And then also if, well, you do the Patreon ad. All right, so give us your money. Yeah, essentially, give us your money. <laughs> there, I'm articulate. And if you give us our money, what are we going to give them? What are they going to get if they give us their money, Michelle? Uh, we have we have a special Marco Polo group for our Patreon mm-hmm. Patreons, in which we personally correspond with them. But we also provide within that group uh, bonus content. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of times, you guys don't know this because Seth is such a fantastic editor, but there's a lot of content there where we're the recording's just going and we're just talking or we'll get off on a subject. And we tend to be a little more personal in those conversations, even more so than what you hear on the normal podcast, which I realize is often still very personal. So we do provide some bonus content there. We're actually trying to get to where we offer even more bonus content mm-hmm. uh, than what we are right now. So it, it we really want you to come and help us out. It helps us out as far as obviously bringing in money to help cover costs, but it also provides an open format for a lot more conversation right. and a deeper conversation. So, And really what I have always envisioned and, you know, Fade Gray has its own community, Michelle has another podcast called Bookish that has its own community. Yes. We're friends of a lot of other podcasts that have their own community, like Heretic Happy Hour, Your Atheist Pastor, other shows out there that bad, well, there I said it, Bad Christian. Um, there's a lot of other shows <laughs> that have their own community. And we want to create a space for that. Um, I'm not the right. greatest at forming online communities, believe it or not. Um, I have tried and failed in the past, but I, I really want to create that for this show. Um, and I want a place where people can come engage, um, talk about what we're doing and then also even maybe even share a little bit of their own lives. Yeah. And, and so that's one of the things I really wanted this show to facilitate. And so if that is something you would be interested in and you would actually have direct access via Marco Polo to both Michelle and I, please feel free to check us out on Patreon. Um, for as little as $5 a month, you can you can get involved in all of that. And then lastly, um, I want to note that there is an online store where you can buy merchandise. Um, now, it's the Fade to Gray Network, so it's not mental specific, but there is <laughs> mental merchandise on storefrontier.com backslash FTG Network. You can find... Fade Gray merch, as well as shows that are on the network's merch, as well as mental merch, including a sweatshirt and things of that nature. And if you're really interested or so inclined, we even have a Faded Gray sweatshirt with a picture of poor Seth, my face in cartoon form, (laughs) hashtag poor Seth available if you would be thus inclined. Um, Anything else we should mention before we wrap things up? I don't think so. I think we've covered all the avenues. I think we have as well. So we've showed our face on Facebook. We've, you know, argued in front of other people, called each other out on some shit. So 
you're really the one that called it out, let's be honest. Um, yeah, I got called out. called me out on some stuff. So it was a good conversation, and thank you for checking this out. Please feel, I always say feel free, please check us out um, on your favorite podcast app under Mental Podcast or Fade Gray Network, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you later.